0: Luke chapter 4, beginning in in verse 14, is where I'll begin today. Uh, It says this, Then Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. He was teaching in their synagogues, being acclaimed by everyone. He came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him in Unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue was were fixed on him. He began by saying to him, Today as you listen, This scripture has been fulfilled. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, that your word is true, awesome, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, continue to speak to us today as we hear your word. Lord, help me, Holy Spirit, as I preach your word. Lord God, I pray that you would help us to live, uh, Lord God, in another level of freedom like we never have before. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Now, I want to give you a, a little bit of history about... About uh, the synagogues, I was studying this. I uh, found this interesting. You know, it was Jesus's custom, first of all, that he would attend public worship as well as take part in uh, the synagogue and teaching in the synagogues. So, a typical synagogue service opened with an invocation for God's blessing, and then the reciting of traditional Hebrew confession of faith, which you can find actually in Deuteronomy six and chapter eleven. This was followed by prayer and the prescribed readings from the law and from the prophets with the reader paraphrasing the Hebrew scriptures in Aramaic. This was followed by a brief sermon given by one of the men of the congregation or perhaps by a visiting rabbi. If a priest was present, the service closed with a benediction. Otherwise, one of the laymen prayed and the meeting was dismissed. So just that's the backdrop of how a synagogue service would would work, right? So Jesus walks in in Luke chapter 4, and he was asked to read the text and give the sermon for that day. And the passage that that they gave him, the scroll of Isaiah, and he read from Isaiah 61, 1 and 2. That's what he was quoting, Isaiah 61, 1 and 2, and he selected it as his text. The Jewish rabbis interpreted this passage to refer to the Messiah, and the people in the synagogue knew it as well. So I'm just giving you some background. When he's saying this, they all knew Isaiah 61, 1 and 2 was speaking of the Messiah. So whenever Jesus said, That in this day has been fulfilled, the people were shocked when Jesus boldly declared that it was written about him and that he came to do all five of these things and then usher in the year of the Lord's favor. Now the year of the Lord's favor, some translations say the acceptable year of the Lord, is actually referring to the year of Jubilee, which is found in Leviticus chapter 25. The year of Jubilee, if you don't know what it is, is every 50 years, debts were erased, slaves were freed, and land was returned to its uh, original owner. So in Isaiah 61, the year of Jubilee is a metaphor of God's salvation. That's what the prophet Isaiah was prophesying, that when the Messiah would come, it would be a year of Jubilee, it'd be a year of salvation. So Jesus applied all of these things to his own ministry. I want to read that last part again, uh, in, in the New Living Translation, Luke 4, 20 and 21. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant and sat down, and all eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. And he began to speak to them. The scripture you just read has been, that you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. So, you know, this is not a saying that we say, but for a while people said, you, you know, you had a mic drop moment where you said something powerful and you dropped the mic and walk off. That's basically what Jesus had right there. And it was I love how he did that. He sat down and he waited. It's like he waited for a minute and let everybody look at him. And then he said, hey, this scripture was fulfilled today. Now, if you continue to read, the people knew exactly what Jesus was saying, that I'm the Messiah and I came to fulfill all these things. They were so angry, the Bible says that they ran him to the edge of town and tried to throw him off of a cliff. Now, you know, sometimes we get pushed back as pastors, but I've never had nobody try to kill me after a message. Praise the Lord. I hope that never happens either, right? But because... What Jesus was proclaiming was so powerful. And we know right after he said, he actually slipped through, obviously they didn't kill him. And he began, Luke begins to record how he did preach the gospel to the spiritually bankrupt, right? When he said preaching the gospel to the poor, he didn't mean just the, the physically poor. He meant the spiritually poor. The spiritually poor, those that were bankrupt spiritually, he began to heal brokenhearted. Some see in Isaiah 6-1, it says that he came to heal the brokenhearted as well. So some translations in the New Testament add that to Luke 4 as well. He began to heal brokenhearted and rejected people. He also healed people from blindness and various diseases. And he also set people free from demonic oppression. And listen, church, Jesus is still doing all of these today. The only exception is we're preaching the gospel now, but Jesus is still the one saving the souls. Amen. It's interesting. As I was studying, I was reading through this and I, you know, I've read through the book of Luke many, many times. And it's interesting that the first thing that Luke recorded Jesus doing after Jesus proclaims he's the Messiah in the synagogue was that he set a man free from demonic stronghold in another synagogue in Capernaum. That's the first thing. He moved from that synagogue in Nazareth to a synagogue in Capernaum. And when he was there, there was a man that was oppressed uh, uh, with a demonic spirit, possessed actually, a demonic stronghold in his life, and Jesus set him free. This is what I want to focus on the next couple of weeks. As we just read, one of the main reasons Jesus came to the earth was to set people free from spiritual strongholds that hold us back from who God has created and called us to be. Amen? In John 8, 36, as Jesus was debating with some religious leaders, going back and forth about the scriptures and, 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 and their father and his father and, and, and he was referring to God as his father and to the religious leader as Satan as their father. He says this, Jesus says, so if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Speaking of himself, the son, the son of God sets you free. You will be free indeed. Another thing I found interesting is Jesus said this. That you'll be set free. And after that, as he's debating with the religious leaders, the religious leaders begin to tell them that he has a demon. Isn't that interesting? I think that's, that's pretty ironic. Jesus is talking about being set free from sin, and that's part of it. It's being some of our, some of the strongholds in our lives, by the way. Side note, it's not brought on from the enemy. It's our own choosing. It's our own disobedience, a willful sin that gets us in bondage. Right? And that, and that's a whole nother teaching we'll talk about in a couple weekends about open doors and whatnot. But it's amazing they told Jesus he had a demon. So the next two weeks, I'm calling this mini-series Living Free. Living Free. This is the, the the second part of our vision, too. First part is know God, right? Then live free, find your purpose, and make a difference. So in January, I focused. we focus on knowing God more by living in his presence, right? So this next couple of weeks, I want to talk to you about the second part of our vision, and that's living free. I want to continue by reading a scripture to you that many of you are familiar with. Some of you have it in your house, you've coded it, but it's usually not connected with freedom in Christ. And it's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. But watch this and amplify. Trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own insider understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him, and he will make your paths straight and smooth removing obstacles that block your way. Listen, church, there's spiritual obstacles that are blocking our way, that may have been blocking your way for years. See, over the years, I've talked to many people, and I've seen many people that continue to try to do better and try to get better. They know they have an obstacle, a stronghold, however you want to call it, in their life. Something's blocking them from their relationship with God. Something's blocking them from their relationship with their spouse, their children, blocking them. They may know what God has called them to do. Third part of our vision, find your purpose. They know what their purpose is. They want to make a difference, but something keeps hindering them, and they can't understand why they can't move past that obstacle. You may be one of those people today. What I want to encourage you today is you need to trust and rely on the Lord to set you free and remove those spiritual obstacles that block your way in life. That the Lord Jesus will set you free so you will be free indeed and have those obstacles, those spiritual strongholds removed from your life. Now, I'm, I'm going to connect to show you what I'm talking about, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and how trusting in the Lord brings freedom. Look, here's a verse right here in Psalm 22, 4, and 5. It says, Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted you, and you rescued them. They cried to you and were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. Amen? The psalmist makes it clear that that by trusting in the Lord, they were set free. So today I want to show you a few ways that trusting the Lord will cause you to be triumphant. You can be triumphant. You can be victorious. You can be set free by the Lord. As we saw, one of the five things, again, some translations put it as four, some as five, that we see in Luke chapter four, that Jesus said he came. As I think about Jamie and, and other people, I was praying with her the other day, and I, I I quoted that. I said, hey, one of the reasons Jesus came was to heal the brokenhearted, Right? was to first save us so we can know God and to heal the brokenhearted and and to, to all these things. Here's one of the reasons, specifically Jesus said he came to the earth. So here's a few ways. Number one, trusting the Lord leads to victory. By trusting him, it leads us to victory in Christ. In Second Chronicles 13, Israel and Judah were at war with each other. Look at Second Chronicles 13:18. Judah's army won. Why? Because they trusted the Lord God of their ancestors the whole reason it says they won the battle wasn't because they fought better. It wasn't because they had better weapons. It wasn't because they had a better strategy. What does the Bible say? They won the victory because they trusted in the Lord. Amen? What is an area or areas in your life that you have been battling for years? Remember, I say it all the time. Everything happens in the Old Testament is, is, is an example. It's a type or a shadow, the Apostle Paul tells us in the Corinthians, right? So when we see physical battles... We know that's a picture and is an example for us of spiritual battles. Do any of you go through battles in life? Do any of you go through spiritual battles in life? All right, good. I'm talking to the right people. I'm talking to you too, right? If you still don't have victory in that area, there may be a couple of reasons why. There may be a couple of things going on. One, either you're putting your trust in the wrong place or you're fighting the wrong enemy. You're either putting your trust in the wrong place or you're fighting the wrong enemy. Ephesians 6, 12, a lot of you familiar with this, but I want to remind you, and look what the Bible says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. In other words, we're not fighting against people. Flesh and blood enemies is, is people, right? But against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. If you're in a spiritual battle, that's who your enemy is. It's the enemy and evil spirits and powers in the heavenly realm. The heavenly places, by the way, doesn't mean heaven. Heavenly places are referring to the spiritual realm. That's what that actually means. It's referring to the spiritual realm. The New King James Version says this, we're fighting against principalities, right? I heard years ago, you've probably heard me quote this. This is one of the best ways that I heard it put. A man of God said, we're fighting against principalities, not personalities, you're wasting your time trying to fight a spiritual battle when you're coming up and, and attacking or going against someone in their personalities. Amen. It is a good word. I appreciate that. I agree. That's why I'm preaching it. But thank you for the encouragement. Hey, listen, what I'm trying to say. Stop focusing on people and start focusing on your true enemy, according to Ephesians chapter six. Paul pinned that to, to church in Ephesus Because they must have been doing the same thing. They must have been focusing on people and circumstances instead of focusing on the enemy, right? I thought about this as I was studying yesterday. What if right now the people of Ukraine would start fighting against the people in their country that were trying to give them aid? What if they were not fighting against the Russians right now? You think they would have resisted as long as they have? No. The Ukrainians know who their real enemy is, right? There's no doubt in their mind Russia has come in and invaded their land, and they're taking up arms, even the civilians. I'm sure you've seen people have fleed, and some of the men were like, there's no way, I'm going back. They went back home, picked up arms, and now they're fighting, and they're blown away that even i haven't many days, 11, 12 days has been now, that they're still having so much resistance, right? They know who the true enemy is. Are y'all following me? I love this. See, when we focus on the true enemy and trust in the Lord Jesus, the Bible tells us, that we will have victory in our spiritual battles. And I love how Romans eight thirty seven says that not only victory, watch what it says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. I love that. It's not just victory, church. We can have overwhelming victory, right? I mean, you, you watch any sports right now. I know college basketball, March Madness is about to start, and I was checking on a team the other day, and they barely won in overtime. Come on, in the kingdom of God, we shouldn't have to have, there's no overtime. We don't have to go to overtime. The Bible says that overwhelming victory when it comes to our spiritual battles is ours. I love that. Not only victory, but overwhelming victory. So trust the Lord that he will give you overwhelming victory in any area of your life that you're battling. And remember, so when I'm talking about this, just like he says don't battle against flesh and blood, it's not us. You notice my whole, this whole message is about trusting the Lord to give you victory. Yes, we have to pray, we have to trust, we have to believe, we worship, we, we preach the word, we speak the word, right? That's how Jesus defeated the enemy. We got to know the word and we have to speak the word, but it's trusting that the Lord, that he's actually fighting the battles for us, right? And that he goes before us, right? So number one, trusting the Lord leads to victory. And specifically on what I just mentioned, number two, trusting the Lord leads to answered prayer. Trusting the Lord leads to answered prayer. Look at 1 Chronicles 5.20. They cried out to God, again, during the battle, the context here is battle. They cried out to God during the battle, and he answered their prayer because they trusted in him. Again, did they answer, did God answer their prayer because they were up early that morning? Did God answer their prayer because they quoted a lot of scripture? What's the reason they answered, God answered their prayer? Because they trusted him. The key to this specific answered prayer was because they trusted the Lord. Now, the context here, it was the tribes of Reuben Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh were at war against three different people groups. It actually was a battle among shepherds over grazing rights in, in a certain territory. They cried out to God during the battle. And again, the key was that they trusted him. See, when you're praying for victory in your spiritual battles, you must combine prayer with trust in the one that you're praying to See, we all know who we should be. Well, most people know if you're sitting in here and watching, I hope you know who you should be praying to. But are you combining and attaching trust to that prayer? It's like you ever sent an email and you meant to send the attachment and you sent it and you're like, they're like, Hey, I never got it. They sent the email to the right person, but the attachment wasn't on it. Some of us are praying without an attachment to it. We're not attaching trust to that prayer, and we see our our victory is won, and our prayer is answered by trusting the Lord. Obviously, it's faith, too. We heard, you know, if you've been coming, you came to date night, if you've been coming on Wednesdays at XO, forgot when he said it, but we heard Pastor Jimmy Evans say recently that prayer without faith is just griping to God. That's so good, and you know what? Faith and trust are first cousins. So I believe it applies to when we're praying, especially when we're trying to, you know, there's something in our life, a spiritual stronghold, obstacle, uh, a roadblock, as as Proverbs put it, something that's blocking us that God wants to make smooth. If we're praying without trusting, we're just griping, we're just complaining and telling God we're tired of, of where we're at. And we need to pray, but we need to trust as we pray, right? You see, sometimes when we pray, the direction the Lord gives us to get the answer doesn't make sense. And that's really where trust comes in. And that's why Proverbs 3, 5 tells us not to depend on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't depend on your own understanding. Don't rely on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him or seek his will, and he will show you what path to take. But the path he shows you to take doesn't always make sense. And I thought about this actually this morning. The Lord reminded me that there was a man in the book of 2 Kings who was desiring a healing in his body. He almost missed out because of the instructions that the prophet Elisha gave him. Let's check that out in 2 Kings 5, 9 9 through 15. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and waited at the door of Elisha's house. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. But Naaman became angry and stalked away. I don't even know what stalked means. I would say stormed away, but I guess that's a really mad way of walking away. But anyway, I thought he would certainly come to meet me, he said. I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord, his God, and heal me. Let me pause. Especially when we've been walking with the Lord a long time and we've seen God move in a certain way. When we pray, we expect he's going to do it the way he did it times before. Let me just stop and say that. And so he says, I expect that he would wave his hand over me and over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord. Aren't the rivers of Damascus or Abana or far Farpar far better than any of the rivers in Israel? Why shouldn't I wash in them and be healed? So Naaman turned and went away in a rage. But his officers tried to reason with him and said, sir, if the prophet had told you to do something very difficult, wouldn't you have done it? So you should certainly obey him when he simply says, go and wash and be cured. So Naaman went down to the Jordan River and dipped himself seven times as the man of God had instructed him. And his skin became as healthy as the skin of a young child's, and he was healed. Then Naaman and his entire party went back to find the man of God. They stood before him, and Naaman said, Now I know there is no God in all the world except in Israel, so please accept the gift from your servant. What he was saying is, I know now that your God is the one true God. Right? But you see, It didn't make sense. Now, all Naaman did was obey. Well, he eventually obeyed. At first, he got mad. He raged, the Bible said. That's like the other end of faith and trust right there, right? He raged at what the man of God told him to do. But eventually, his advisors, wise advisors, convinced him, hey, why don't you do what, what the man of God told you to do? And when he did, it still was a miracle, right? It's not his works or anything. The key wasn't what he, how many times he dipped or anything. The key was obedience. The key was that he obeyed and God healed him. God, it was still all glory to God. God did the miracle, right? But it's what he told him to do. He gave him direction and it didn't make sense. He almost leaned on his own understanding and he almost missed the breakthrough that he could have got. What area of your life do you need freedom in that you've been praying about? You know where I'm going with this. Has the Lord told you to do something that doesn't make sense or you just feel like you can't do it? I can't bring myself to do that, Lord. Could it be that your healing or your freedom has been delayed because the Lord wants you to possibly, I don't think it's dipping in the, you know, Vermilion River or anything, because we would be all the same way. The Vermilion, Lord, really? Like, come on, let me go dip in like the ocean in Destin, you know what I mean? Like, not the Vermilion, right, not the Bayou Tesh. I mean, come on, Lord, really? Like, I don't even fish out of there. Come on. I doubt he's going to tell you to do something like that. But in our day and age, could it be like, I don't know, that the Lord wants you to forgive someone? Or maybe be reconciled to someone in your life? Or maybe even pray for someone else? See, we're focusing on getting set free and the Lord giving us breakthrough. And Jesus said that's why he came, right? I mean, that's part of why he came. But what if the Lord's been wanting you to pray for somebody first? And somebody, maybe that's, you know, not your best friend or something. Remember Job in the book of Job, if you never read in the book of Job? He got healed and restored after he prayed for his friends who God told him to pray for. It's like, okay, that was his friends. Yeah, but those friends were the very ones that were accusing Job of sinning. He stayed because of all the tragedy, lost his whole family, except for his wife. And his wife seemed like a nagging woman that was telling him to curse God and die. So that that wasn't, I don't know if that was a good thing. All of his children, all of his livelihood, and then he breaks out with horrible boils and disinfirmity all over his body. As he's suffering through tragedy, loss, and physical illness, his friends were the one telling him, this is all your fault. You've sinned, and that's why this is happening to you. Those are the friends God told him to pray for. You think Job really wanted to pray for them dudes? He, maybe he did. I know for me, I'd have been like, really, Lord? Like, I need to process this first, right? But what the Lord told him to pray for his friends, he did. After he prayed for his friends, he got healed, and he got restored. See, sometimes for our freedom, the Lord wants us to take the focus off of ourselves. Maybe that the Lord wants you to focus on somebody else and their needs and maybe their freedom and their healing, right? So I just want to encourage you, trusting in the Lord leads to answered prayer. But you got to trust him because that prayer may be to symbolically go dip in the Bayou Tesh, not really, or pray for somebody. Remember, forgive somebody, be reconciled, maybe do something, you know, of obedience. I mentioned it earlier. I wasn't planning on saying this. I'm going to say it because it's biblical. Maybe it's tithing, right? Actually, the Bible says you bring a curse upon yourself if you don't tithe. Now, look, I'm not saying this because you can look around. We're blessed. This is not about trying to help you here. Whatever it is, it could be tithing. Whatever the Lord tells you to do, you're not doing. Is disobedience, and that may be hindering another level of freedom that you you're believing and desiring God for. So trust in the Lord leads to answered prayer. Amen. And thirdly, trusting will move you from bondage to blessing. Trusting will move you from bondage to blessing. Now look again, Jeremiah 17, verses 5 through 8. It says this: This is what the Lord says: Cursed is the one who puts their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength. And turn their hearts away from the Lord. They're like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited, salty land. As I read that again this morning, I thought, man, some people are living in a salty land because they're always salty. You ever been around people that just no matter what, they're just always in a bad mood. They're just always, you know, and so, but look what it goes on to say. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord. And have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by low months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. See now, listen, I, and I've even heard people in this church say this over the years. And I know, I think probably a part of it is because of, of, of maybe prosperity preachers. When people hear the word blessed, their minds automatically go to material things. That's not what this scripture is talking about. It's not. If you read, I'm going to break it down for you, right? I'll move you from bondage. This trust will move you from bondage to blessing. Can you tell the first person that's trusted in man and humans? seemed like like the Bible says they were cursed. They were in bondage. They, they were stunted. Their growth, their spiritual growth or maybe their relational growth were stunted and they had no hope, and they they lived in a salty land, right? So we often think of material things, but the scripture says that those who trust in the Lord are like trees planted along a riverbed, which means that they have abundant spiritual resources and will be well prepared for the battles of life, right? Because a tree that's planted by the river has an unlimited supply, a source of water. So it can be sustained no matter what season of life that, that comes at the tree, right? That throws at it. So it has resources to persevere and to still produce fruit. Not only just survive, but to thrive, right? Come on, ladies, where are my thrive ladies at, right? So they can, so that's what the Bible's talking about. We have unlimited resources in Christ, right? Well, as I just prayed earlier, He supplies all of our needs according to His glorious riches that are given to us in Christ Jesus. There's an unlimited supply, but it's, 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 it's I'm talking about spiritual resources. I'm talking about resources from the word of God, from the spirit of God that can help us through the spiritual battles of our life. See, the Lord, when I talk about moving from bondage to blessing, he wants to bless you with strength and power and perseverance. To continue to persevere on. You ever got to a point where you're like, man, I'm just so tired. I can't face another trial right now. I can't face another battle. You know, the Bible actually says what you need now is perseverance. After all this stuff, perseverance is what you need now. For some of you, that's a word in here for you this morning. The 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 blessing you need is not another thing in your house or another dollar in your account. It's perseverance. You've been in the battle of your life, and I believe the Lord wants to bless you with perseverance by the Spirit of God. Again, not your own strength. We just read, cursed is the man or the person who trusts in humans, right? Trust in your own flesh or in somebody else. But blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord. These are some of his provisions that he uses to set you free so you can live free. So with that in mind, I'm here to tell you, He wants to bless your marriage. That's why we've been, we've been encouraging and been watching marriage teachings for the last three weeks, month or so. Maybe your marriage is not doing so good. Hopefully it's doing better since you've been coming to these XO teachings on Wednesday nights or maybe came to date night. But He wants to, He wants to give you a breakthrough in your marriage, set you free in your marriage. He wants to bless your children and your relationship with them. He wants to bless you with physical, mental, um, and emotional strength as well and health, right? And I do believe, even though this is not talking about that, I think I made it clear, the analogy that, that Jeremiah's using, the Lord uses actually through Jeremiah. It's not talking about material things, but I do believe part of you is like, you know what, you, you, the Lord wants to bless your business and your work and your finances as well, right? Well, two of y'all believe that, so I hope you get blessed, since you, you don't only that you believe it. But I believe that, that's part of it, right? That's not all of it. And again, I know that's gotten tainted by prosperity preachers and all of that. But at the same time, the Lord does want to bless every part of your life. Amen? And again, I'm not t- talking about that's just an overflow, the material things, right? Maybe there's an area that I mentioned or didn't mention that you need to move from bondage to blessing. Trust in the Lord, and in time, I do believe he'll do it according to his will. Remember where we started, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 seek his will in all you do and you he will direct your path a lot of times people say man i've been praying about this for years and and god didn't answer my prayer and the first thing i tell people is maybe it wasn't according to his will that's why it's always good to stamp your kingdom come your will be done now there's some things in the bible we see clearly that are god's will but i know we all pray about all kind of stuff right and so maybe it's 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 not according to his will, maybe it 's not his time, remember naming it may look different, and the process may be different than you expected. See especially for us we a lot of times like in January for, for those of you that may be newer here, you know we pray and fast in january twenty one days of prayer and fasting, we got this freedom weekend coming up in a couple of weekends, and a lot of times people have received breakthroughs and I got set free. I got another level of freedom during prayer and fasting or during freedom weekends. And we used to call them encounters back in the day. Well, how many of y'all been here long enough to remember encounters? Let me see your hand you remember encounters. All right, now, some powerful times, right? But maybe the Lord wants to give you a breakthrough and set you free, and it looks totally different than it has in the past. It doesn't look anything like it looked in the past. Again, Naaman was expecting one way for him to be healed, and God healed him in a whole other way, right? So again, there's a lot more when it comes to being free in Christ. And I'm going to talk about uh, another aspect of it next week. But there's things like open doors, our legal ground, and like I hit on it, unforgiveness and things that can keep you from true freedom. So I don't have time to go over all those today or, or next week. And so that's why we're going to go deeper into these things on Freedom Weekend. In two weeks, I want to encourage you. Uh, though you can go ahead and put that graphic up. In two weeks, we're going to have a Freedom Weekend right here on Friday night and Saturday, and we're going to go deeper into these things, March 18th and 19th. You can register today. Right now, you can even pull out your phone, register on the app, on the website for Freedom Weekend, and we'll dive into these areas uh, in, a, in a deeper way, and we're going to pray for you and believe for God to set you free. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already, to sign up for that today, and we're just believing and trusting the Lord for greater levels of freedom. Amen? Because he says, who the Son sets free is free indeed, right? Amen. I, I almost I almost named it, uh, this, this mini-series, that free indeed straight from the Scripture, uh, but we, we stuck with, with with living free. So I'm going to close with this one last Scripture, and then we're going to pray. Galatians 3.22 says this, "For the Scriptures declare that we are all prisoners of sin. So we receive God's promise of freedom. There you go. It's a promise that he would set us free, right? Only by believing in Jesus Christ, we all of us either have or still are prisoners of sin, but God promises we can be set free, but it all starts with believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, as I said earlier, some of it is we're in a spiritual battle, as I saw it showed you in Ephesians, and showed you you know even in Luke or I, I'll let you know about it. if you go finish reading the chapter, of Luke, you'll see Jesus go set a man free in the next synagogue he went to. But some of the, the bondage or some of the strongholds or obstacles in our life is because we have sin in our life, and we've not repented of that sin. And so if, if, if you need freedom in your life, it all starts with believing and trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to save you. Amen. Would you bow your head with me and close your eyes? The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard and that the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. And so if you say, Brandon, I'm not sure, you know, uh, I know there's some things in my life. There's some obstacles in my life. There's some strongholds. There's things that have been holding me back for years. And, man, I've tried on my own. Maybe you feel like the man in Jeremiah. You feel like, you know, uh, you've, you've relied on humans or human strength or hu- your own self or, or maybe you know, self help books or all of these things, instead of putting your trust in Christ, and you're not even sure you're right with God. As I said last week, I realized that I did five funerals in two months. Matter of fact, I got a call to do another one on Friday, but I was unavailable to do it on that Friday. I would have been six funerals in a little over two months. What if they're calling about your funeral next week? Where would you be at in eternity right now? Please, would we'll never head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure, man. I don't know where I would be if I breathed my last here. where I would spend eternity. The Bible says we're going to either spend eternity in heaven or hell. Remember, the wages of sin of death. That word death is eternal death. We know that because the next line says, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Would you spend eternity separated from God in a fiery hell that was meant for the the devil and his demons? Or would you spend eternity with God in heaven? If you say, Brandon, I'm not sure. I don't know, but, man, I want to be sure. I need to get right with God. I need to repent and confess my sin. If that's you, just slip up your hand and say, man, that's me. I need to get right with God today. Sir, I see your hand. Anybody else? Even at home, if you're watching at home, I can't see you, but the Lord can. Over here in the back to my left. Amen. Amen. Anybody else? If You say, Brandon, maybe at one time, sir, I see your hand. hand's still going up right here. Amen. At one time, you say, man, I was was walking with the Lord at one time, but I've, I've made a decision. I turned away from God. And I need to get back right with the Lord. I need to begin to trust him again. I see your hand, young man. Anybody else that's like that, say, man, I've gone away. I need to re- re-surrender my life. More hands going up, different hands all the way in the back, in the middle right here. I see you. I see you. Amen. Sir, I see you. Amen. Amen. Hands still going up. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for your boldness. All the way in the back, I see you over there. Come on, for all of you that, that raised your hand, Bible says we're saved by by, by grace through faith it's only by God's grace we can't do nothing to earn it we can't do anything all we do is we receive it we make a choice to repent the Bible says you must repent it means to turn away and then to turn to God and if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord you shall be saved Well, let's all pray this together Lord Jesus thank you for loving me thank you for dying in my place Lord I know that I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin. Lord, I turn to you. I surrender my life and my all to you. I make you my Lord and Savior. Give me that grace, that strength, and that perseverance to live for you all the days of my life. Lord, set me free that I'll be free indeed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with these this morning that made that decision? Amen. If you made that decision for the first time or first time in a long time, there's a connection card in the pew in front of you. If you watch it online, you can click the connection card link. We've got a Bible for you. You can bring that card to the Info Center and give you a Bible. Come on, why don't you stand up with me? And as we close today, I'm going to pray over you, but also I want to open up the altars that if, if you say, Brandon, I need prayer, there's something that the Lord hit on today, and, and I want you or somebody to stand with me in prayer and believe in God for for freedom in my life. Again, encourage you if you haven't signed up for Freedom Weekend to do so. But we'll pray with you today. We'd love to stand with you and just stand in agreement to pray for you, to be set free or to have a greater level of freedom in your life. Come on, can we pray together? Father, I thank you. Lord, we want to trust. Come on, how many of y'all said, man, I, I need to trust more. I, I haven't been, been sending that attachment up with the prayers, the, the attachment of, of faith and trust as I pray. And I, I want to I want to trust the Lord more. Lord, I pray you help us today. Lord God, as you said, Lord, to, to trust you. We've seen through all these examples of both Old and New Testament, Lord God, if, as we trust you, there's another level of freedom, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. There's nothing we can do, Lord God. It's nothing but you said those who trust in the Lord. That's all we can do is have trust and faith and turn to you and you do the rest. You're the miracle working God. So I thank you Lord Jesus And you came to set the captives free, to set those oppressed free, to heal the brokenhearted. Thank you Lord Jesus that that scripture was fulfilled in you and is still actively living today. I pray for greater levels of freedom in here and my brothers and sisters whether it be mental, spiritual, physical emotional, relational. I thank you Lord God that you will help them set them free so they can live free Lord in Jesus name. We pray and everybody said amen, amen and amen man. Well, God bless y'all. We love y'all. Have a great day. Hey, if you need prayer for anything pertaining to this or anything else, we'll be up here to pray with you. Have a great day.